Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. My guest on the podcast today is Dr. John Mundy. He is an expert on A Course in Miracles. He is also an author, lecturer, publisher of Miracles Magazine, and director of All Faiths Seminary International Miracles Studies Program in New York City. His accomplishments are quite long and vast. As an author, he has written 12 books, including A Course in Mysticism and Miracles, Eternal Life in A Course in Miracles, Lesson 101, Perfect Happiness, Living A Course in Miracles, Missouri Mystic, What is Mysticism, Listening to Your Inner Guide, Awaken to Your Own Call, The Ten Laws of Happiness, Money and Jesus, Search for the Center, and Learning to Die. His best-selling book, Living a Course in Miracles, which was published in 2011, is now written in eight languages. He met Dr. Helen Schuchman, who is responsible for downloading A Course in Miracles with the help of her colleague, Dr. William Fetford, in 1973. They both, along with Dr. Ken Wapnick, introduced John to A Course in Miracles over a year before its publication. And Helen served as John's counselor and guide until she became ill in 1980. I asked him many questions as it relates to this wonderful publication, this teaching, this gift to humanity, A Course in Miracles. Such fundamental questions like, what is the nature of heaven? Why are we really here? And what is the path or pathway to all healing? This and a lot more is covered. I really hope you enjoy it as always and that it serves you well. John Mundy, it is so great to have you. It's so great to have you. Thank you for Thank being you, here. Thank you, Diane. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, it took us a while to get here. Um, it did. You, you went through... Um, a bit of a karmic cleansing, I guess we could say. And yeah, I think you could look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe we'll just start there. You, uh, what did you get, Borrelia? Or no, it's called Babesius. I, I had never heard of it. It's B-A-B-E-S-A-S-I-S, something like that. It's a very strange-looking word, even. Uh-huh. Um, right, and it's caused by a tick bite. And uh, it's a deer tick bite, although deer ticks aren't the only one that carry it. Uh, that's just the name of a type of tick. Mice carry it as well. And um, so I went to the hospital with the pie. I saw it on my skin and I took a picture of it. If I had known at the time, right then and there, and I'd gone to the hospital, you could have got some antibodies with have reduced the severity of it. But right. it was several days. And then I went to the hospital for that. And um, they put me in a <clears throat> cubicle with this guy who was very, very sick. 
in the emergency room, mm -hmm. but just a curtain between us, you know. Uh -huh. So then three days after I've been admitted for babesiosis, they say you got COVID. <laughs> oh. So I had two diseases at once. And so that part of it wasn't fun. And, you know, cold, sweats, hot. You know, just, it was, the, the babesiosis is kind of like malaria. So, but obviously I made it through 20, 24 days in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But I got down to like, I lost 20 pounds. I got real skinny. Um, <laughs> you know, when you don't shave and you don't shampoo your hair for a day, <laughs> for, for 24 days, <laughs> you yeah. don't brush your teeth except for the minimal. <laughs> Oh, you, you, you're pretty scrunzy. <laughs> well, you, were, you were sharing this with me before we uh, got on um, through our sort of challenge of getting together with me having an internet outage and right. all the hilarity that life provides. Right. And uh, you mentioned that at one point you felt like you had a choice whether you were going to stay or go. Well, yeah, there was somewhere, oh, a half, three quarters of the way through. Um, I, um, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I, and I found myself in a, um, a fetal position, which is very unusual. I don't remember ever waking up in a fetal position like that. Um, really skinny and recognizing that um, I could die. <laughs> As a matter of fact, after the whole thing was over, one of my doctors said, uh, you're lucky to be alive. And then another one said, you could have died. So, and, um, obviously that was true. And there was this, um, like decision mm -hmm. that I could have made at that point. I recognized, uh, and it was very seductive. I mean, death was seductive in the sense of, you know, at that point, all I had to do was go to sleep. That's all I, all I had to do was just go to sleep. And I, so I looked at that and obviously I came back, but I didn't come back um to do anything incredible or write another book or <laughs> lead another workshop i really came back for my family my wife and my daughter and three grandkids i, I think they need me they really need me so love love pulled me back all of those but the, mm. yeah and it was at the next morning when i came when a nurse came in i i said you've got to help me get out of here <laughs> um i was supposed to get physical therapy but i wasn't so I persuaded her to start doing physical therapy therapy with me. Just mm -hmm. getting out of the bed and trying to just just, just walk into the door was a, <laughs> a chore. But I did something yesterday that I've never that I had not seen to never, but I haven't done in maybe months. Was I ran. I ran. I I took a I tried to race race my five year old grand. <laughs> he wanted to have a race, so I raced him. <laughs> Uh, boy, I mean, your energy, your energy is back now. <laughs> I couldn't even walk to the mailbox the day after I came home. <laughs> wow, I love that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you teach a course in miracles, and you've been doing this for a very long time. And I'd love to just pick your brain on all things a course in miracles. Sure. It's one of those books that um, I can't say I've read from beginning to end. I've jumped around for like the past ten years, mm -hmm. just kind of opening it on a page randomly and going, yeah. oh my gosh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I needed today. Thank you. Um, but it works like that. It, it certainly feels that way, my gosh. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, just, you know, just ask a question and open the book. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you discover 
the course in miracles and and i know this is a very broad question to start out with but what are some of the most profound effects it's had or subtle effects it's had in helping you with your life and moving on and and finding joy and all those things sure well um it started in 1973 i uh, was giving a lecture at a conference uh for an organization called Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship. And Bill and Helen, Helen, the scribe of the Course in Miracles, and Bill, her boss at Columbia, uh, who has helped her in the composition of the course, um, came to my workshop. I was like 29 years old at the time. That's amazing. Um, but I was teaching courses in the New School University on the topic I was working on. The consciousness expansion, religious experience was my favorite course. And they they came, they were there. Um, and then a year later, Bill read a letter that I wrote and got published in the Journal of Transpersonal Psychology, expressing interest in being in contact with people working in the fields of psychotherapy and spirituality. Mm-hmm. He saw that letter. He told Helen that he thought it was a call for her to complete the writing of the psychotherapy pamphlet. So in addition to the course, uh, we have a pamphlet that's called the psychotherapy pamphlet. Mm. And um, Helen called me in April 1975. I said she had something for me. We both lived in New York City, not very far apart. Uh, I was on the west side. She was on the east side, but but in the same neighborhood. But I mean, uh, she lived on 17th Street. I was on 19th Street. So it was just across town. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went on a Sunday evening. I met her and Bill and Ken Wapnick. And she sat on Ken's day bed. Ken had this little tiny studio apartment and told me about the course, how it came into existence, how it affected them, gave me a copy of the psychotherapy pamphlet. I remember walking home that night thinking that probably the most important thing which ever happened had just happened. Mm. But I didn't know what it was. And it was a while before I began to really get into the course. Actually, the next thing that happened was that Helen and Bill met Judy Scutch Whitson, who's a good friend of mine and I. We were, we were working on the same areas of exploration. Uh, she was teaching courses in parasensory psychology at the same time that I was teaching courses on mystical philosophies at the New School University. And um, she got so excited about it that it it, it really kind of pulled me. I got, I got, then I got, the more you read it, the more excited you get because you know this is genuine. You, you just know it. And, and the more you read it, the more you know it is. Mm-hmm. And you know that the source is what the source is. I mean, this is Jesus, mm-hmm. which is a pretty phenomenal kind of piece of information. But now it's sort of interesting. After all, there's a lot of, lot, Jesus is doing a lot of writing. <laughs> there are a whole lot of other people that are now producing similar kinds of, nothing I said similar kinds, but nothing with this depth of, uh, there's no workbook anybody else has this come up with. Uh, no manual for teachers. They do. There are textbooks. There's slight differences in them, um, but I'm not too worried about those slight differences. Keep in mind the channels a little bit different. They use different kind of language, different kind of terminology. Yeah. Uh, but the course is golden, as far as I'm concerned. As far as hundreds of thousands of other people, the over what about three and a half million copies or so have been sold. Yeah. That doesn't all mean they've all been read. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, the, the scribe of this course, what's her full name again? 
Dr. Helen Shookman. What did she tell you about, um, if anything, about this channeling experience? Did she ever kind of talk to you and tell you her personal experience of what it was like to the first time this came in for her? Well, first of all, even though Helen was atheist, actually, I mean, that was her kind of her intellectual. Helen was a genius. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Really bright. She decided to go back and get her doctor when she was in her 40s. Did it in nothing flat, made straight A's all the way through, uh, et cetera. So she was a very, very bright woman. Uh, and also very psychic. She had a number of psychic experiences. As a child, she had a number of psychic experiences. As a young adult, she had a number. I could go into telling you some of those, but that might take us a field. And um, so there was this quality about it. It was very receptive, mm-hmm. even though intellectually, uh, these were like strangest experiences that she would have. And she did begin to, to feel that she was hearing a voice or sometimes it would be like poetry or some sort of direction that, was, that she was receiving. There's one event in particular that she and Bill, now it's important, I think it's very important to know that Helen was a professor of psychology at Columbia University in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so was her boss, uh, Dr. William Thetford. And this really happened in a way, in a kind of a collaboration between the two. And Helen was the one who heard, but uh, the more she heard, the more they decided that it was important they get this down. And she took it down in short, kind of her own combination, plus Greg, plus Pittman, I think. And um, <clears throat> so she would go to work early, she and Bill. They met at 8 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock. And she would read him whatever she had been taking down. And he typed it up. Uh, he said sometimes even kind of having to reach over and almost kind of study her and because some of the stuff is so powerful that was mm. coming through that it was just, it would almost bring tears to your eyes. Mm. And uh, so that's it. And then it, it, can't, it took seven years. Nice, comes up into textbook of 669 pages, workbook with 365 lessons. One a day, I think this is one of the things that makes the course so incredibly unique because it becomes a, a kind of a habit uh, if you do it right. But, but there's no wrong way to do it. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll get around to getting better with it as time goes by. Uh, but if you do it with regularity, the 365, and I've even found, and a lot of other people have too, that even when you get done, start over again. Because the second time, the third time through, it just becomes so, you'll see lines and you'll think, I never, I didn't see that line before. And it'll just kind of jump off the page at you. You just sort of describe that in your experience. For sure. Yeah. Well, I'd love to just ask you a few questions to kind of start <clears throat> off broad, uh, some more broad questions right. as it relates to the Course in Miracles. Like, mm-hmm. what is heaven according to the Course in Miracles? Heaven? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, it's not a place uh, mm-hmm. or a condition. It, of course, is it's, it's merely awareness of perfect oneness and the awareness that there's nothing outside of this oneness. So, and it's, of course, it's a place of love as a state of being, uh, but it's not, there are no streets, there are no cars, there are no stores. <laughs> you know, the course is there's not a place where you buy endless things you do not need. <laughs> you know, there's no body, the B-O-D-Y. For that reason, it's very difficult for us to grasp because 
the course draws a very important distinction where there's two levels, so to speak. By the two levels, I mean there's the level of this world. By the level of this world, I mean space and time and bodies and buildings and everything that goes with it, wars and all that sort of stuff. Because this is the world of the ego. And the ego, which it say is not a real thing. By that I mean it's it's a kind of a thought, it's an idea. Mm-hmm. that's in the mind but um you certainly don't have to live with that it, it it pulls you into the body of course is the body is the ego's chosen home so on an ego level we're very identified with this body and, and this world that's one of the reasons we're afraid of dying because we're, we're afraid that once the body's gone that's it yeah. according to the course that's that's not it at all it's just uh I like the caterpillar coming, turning into a butterfly. It's just one thing going into another dimension, except it's not, uh, it's not physical. And that's why we have such trouble understanding it because it's, it's, it's conceptual. It's a concept. It's an idea. It's a presence, but it doesn't have the same kind of form that we understand form in form. Form is a limitation. It's a box. Like the body's a kind of a box. Time is a limitation because you've got minutes, seconds, hours, days, etc. And so what we're talking about is moving to a space of eternity. Mm. And eternity, by the way, is not a really long time. (laughs) But what I mean by that is it's really stepping outside of time altogether. Einstein knew this. Einstein talked about it. Uh, He talked about this limitation that we have by being trapped in time Uh, he knew that time was an illusion but the course also says it's it's very difficult for us to understand that on the other hand if you're in heaven then there's no dialogue between the two i mean there's no dialogue between the two in the sense that well we have this book which is a kind of dialogue but there's no um there's no ego in heaven. That'd be the easiest way to say it. Hmm. You, could, you couldn't possibly have an ego in heaven because what the ego is, the ego is a, it's a state of separation unto itself. The ego is making its own world. The course does talk about a time <laughs> in time kind of when time begins for us, which we talk about at the garden of Eden, the Adam and Eve, the whole separations. There's a point at which, Mythologically speaking, uh, someone we call Adam <laughs> and he decide to break away from God. You know, they they have this temptation on the part of the uh, spirit or mount on, on part of the the serpent, right, the devil, to break away from God. To and there's the, the actually the serpent says. Uh, they're, they're told not to eat of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Well, what good and evil? But that's a division. That's a split. We got two things, good and evil. There's no such thing as good and evil. Mm-hmm. And the, all there is, heaven is only love. That's all that there is. We, this world is very much of a divided world. Mm-hmm. In this world, we do have good and evil. That would be impossible in heaven. You wouldn't have good and evil. All there is is heaven, you know, mm-hmm. kind of purified, purified state. So in this world, we have divided minds. We have a taste of both, if you will. But only one of them is real. 
So the world itself, and one of the things that people really trip over, and it's really understandable why they would trip over it, uh, the course of it, there is no world. Hmm. So what it means by that, there's no outside. There's nothing outside of you as a line in the course. There's nothing outside of you, which means outside of your mind, right? So when we let go of these bodies, when the bodies die, then you're letting go of this physical form. Well, then where are you? I mean, obviously, you're not in a body anymore, right? But the mind is something you cannot lose. Actually, when I had that kind of, <clears throat> we'll call it near death, it wasn't an out-of-body experience, uh, experience in the, in the hospital. The thing I heard when I was, like, looking about maybe going, um, I heard, go or stay, either way, you cannot lose your mind. Mm. Right? And the mind and soul or mind and spirit is actually kind of equivalent. The Course says that the mind is the energizing force uh, for spirit. So uh, there's a connection there. It's it's kind of the same thing. Mm. Wow, there's a lot there. Thank you. There's a lot there. <laughs> there is so much there. And, and um, another sort of broad question, because uh, <laughs> I, as I, I've read The Course in Miracles, you know, uh, parts and pieces i see i hear a lot of sort of teachings about why we're here and mm -hmm. one of the things is to acknowledge that we've been mistaken by mm -hmm. our illusions or the things that we claim are real that aren't right. real right? right and once you understand that you've been mistaken then all the effects of your mistakes it says will disappear sure so what, why are we really here according okay. to the Course in Miracles? Well, there's a very simple answer to that. <clears throat> and it, this room is, this is, this world is a classroom. In fact, is I taught courses in esoteric and mystical philosophies for 40 years, um, primarily at the New School University in New York City back during the 70s, but also uh, after that as well in other places. And I do not know, as a matter of fact, I don't know one single esoteric mystical philosophy that doesn't say that this place is a school. Mm -hmm. um, at more than one point, the course actually kind of refers to it as a prison, the body's a prison. Mm -hmm. um, so we could look at it as a reformatory <laughs> okay. or a mental hospital uh, <laughs> where we're learning how to behave. Mm -hmm. We're learning how to, to get it right. We're learning, the main thing we're trying to do is to wake up. Mm -hmm. And because we're all sleeping, and of course, it's very clear about that. Your nighttime dreams, your daytime dreams, of course, just have a different form, and that's all. So we're still, and we even talk about we're daydreaming. We literally daydream as we drive our cars and do whatever. We're paying attention to what's going on in the world. But, you know, we're, we're off into the past memory of something or going off into the future, what if, what if I do this, or, you know, something else is going on, we're not, you don't need, you know, the, the body kind of has an automatic way of driving a car, you know, you slow down when you need to, you speed up when you can, <laughs> you know, all those things happen without uh, too much conscious thought. Sometimes we need a lot of thought if we're in heavy traffic or something, but if we're not, well, uh, <laughs> then things work out pretty well. So there's a lot in the course, it's about mind control now that, that sounds like or 
mind training is a better word than saying mind control. It's, it's trying to train us how to see, actually try to see things the way Jesus saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, and that, that, that means to be awake and to see the illusion, to see that this is a school, and then find out how to behave here. And really simple. I mean, it just comes down to loving everything. Mm. You know, everything you see. And, and so much of it is um, learning how not to make judgments, or at least not to make condemnatory judgments, not, not to have grievances, not to be projecting onto a, a really important line in the course. Mm. Uh, the first line in chapter 21 projection makes perception. Mm-hmm. So the world we see is what we make it. So we're, in that sense, we're always making up the world, which doesn't mean that you're making up the car going down the street or the person that's walking on the street, but you are evaluating, you're judging them. They're pretty, ugly, nice, not nice, uh, and all the stuff we throw on top of everything. And that judgment uh, keeps us from seeing. Mm. It keeps us from seeing accurately because the only accurate way to see uh, the only true way to see is to love everything. Mm. The ego is very, very judgmental. Mm. Uh, the ego, that's, that's, that's the separation, becoming I, judgmental. I love that you mentioned that because there's a part in the course where it says that everything the body's eyes can see is a mistake. It's an error of perception or a distorted fragment of the whole and without the meaning that the whole would give. And right. I just, I, I really love that. Um, so much because it it's it's like the fact that our eyes can only see form they can't see beyond form or what they were made to see so then well what is the means by which we can dissolve our distorted vision what is the means by what is the means by which we can dissolve this distorted vision this this uh, well okay just in the first place just begin to realize that that is a mistake Mm mm-hmm uh, the reason it's a mistake is it doesn't make you happy seeing that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't make us happy to condemn and analyze and interpret and project and judge all the time, which is the, what we're doing when we look out on the world that we're not loving the world. Yeah, you know, we're finding fault rather than finding solutions, for example. And that's depressing. You know, the, the world looks very difficult that way. Mm. Yeah. So it really means to go all the way with it. By all the way with it, I mean, it doesn't make any difference who someone is. For example, we, we still, do you know who Bob Durst was by any chance? No. Okay, he was, it's just been on the news a lot lately. He just got uh, convicted for murder and uh, he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. He, he killed more than one person, but he was my roommate in graduate school oh. in Southern California. No. Right. Well, housemate is right, the right word, not roommate. We shared a home. And um, he looks awful now. But then, I mean, physically, he looks, we're the same age, almost exactly. He's one year, one month older than I am. But he's just completely dissolved into um, <clears throat> a really old man. <laughs> and I can look at him with some sense of, of sympathy and empathy and understanding and remember when the good times. And um, yet, this thing happened. The, the ego completely took over, I guess you could say. Mm. And um, so I'm sure that other people can't do that. 
When you knew him as a housemate, did you ever get a sort of feeling or sixth sense that, you know, something may have been a little off or. Yes, I, I definitely did. And, and, and there was, he had a real temper and uh, it mm. would come out once in a while. It never came out toward me because there was no reason for it to come toward me. Uh, but I remember, for example, once when he came home and uh, he, a girl had broken up with him and he was furious. He started throwing things around the house. Mm. Right. So that's just one <laughs> that yeah. illustration of that kind of thing. Right. But let's don't get off into the bottom. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> what, I'm, wow. what I'm saying is that learning how to love everything, even the dark parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, remember the boy in the the at the Boston Marathon where they set the bombs off. Yeah, this several years ago. That I was supposed to give a sermon in a church the day after that happened. That happened on a Friday and a Saturday, and the church I went to, and they found him finally hiding inside this boat. So yeah. I just dropped what I was going to talk about and did a different sermon instead of called the boy in the boat. And I said, who's thinking about the boy in the boat? And, you know, his brother has been killed in this. He's killed several people. Think about what's, what's going on in his mind. What stress is there in his mind? He is going to get caught. Mm-hmm. And of course, he did get caught. And he has life in prison at the age of 21. I mean, Lord, I mean, that's not been a few years now. But still, life in prison at your early 20s, tough situation. What does the Course in Miracles say about our sort of bad choices, whether it be insulting someone that, you know, walking down the street or killing someone? What happens when we pass? Do, do we go through a, a school in another dimension, even though it's all love? Are uh, we well, held responsible? We're responsible in the sense of there is this real thing called karma. Yeah. <laughs> Good, right, you right. know what goes what goes around comes around, kind of a thing. But karma is also a way that we learn. Okay. I mean, we learn. You know, I mean, sometimes boy, it's kind of heavy karma. I mean, you don't want to have to learn some of the really difficult things that that we have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, spending the rest of your life in jail cannot be fun. Um, I did read a book many, many, many years ago. It was called. A mind that found itself, which is about a guy who woke up in prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. He became, in other words, he came to enlightenment in prison. And then he was able to see everything differently. He was able to love everything different, even his circumstances. But it was a heck of a set of circumstances that he found himself in by the time he did wake up. We're all we're all trying to wake up here. Mm. Because, because, you know, we're all have problems. We're all judgmental. What we're needing, what we're trying to do and I wrote a poem about this recently, is to see what Jesus saw and to do what Jesus did, you know, or to the Buddha or Muhammad or, or anybody who's had this awakening experience. One of the things about, it's interesting, Moses, Muhammad, Jesus, Mahavira, if you look at all of their lives, nothing happened in any of their lives until after Jesus has the wandering in the wilderness experience of 40 days and 40 nights. Mm-hmm. Buddha's sitting alone under the Bodhi tree for a long, long time before he wakes up. Muhammad's in a cave before mm. he hears recite, recite, and he starts receiving the Quran. There's a similarity between the way the Quran was received and the way the Course of Miracles was received, uh, except that 
Muhammad was illiterate, so he had to say it to somebody else. In that sense, Helen read it to somebody else who typed it up. So you know, somebody he couldn't have written it down, but it got written down by him verbally. I mean, he just dictated it, so to speak. But mm-hmm. that came from Heath said it came from the angel Gabriel. So it's another advanced mind that is providing the information. Mm. Wow. Well, I thought we uh, shift gears <clears throat> slightly and talk about a subject that's very close to my heart, which is healing. And healing. Healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. also for anyone that's listening and dealing with any level of sickness or illness or dis-ease. And the course goes into a great amount of detail on healing and how it's accomplished. And I just thought I'd read a few bits of the sort of three parts to healing and have you comment on any of it that you think is worthy of mention. So the first part it says and how healing is accomplished. um, And it says healing involves an understanding of what the illusion of sickness is for healing is impossible without this. And the first part is the perceived purpose of sickness. And it goes in to say, healing is accomplished the instant the sufferer no longer sees any value in pain. Who would choose suffering unless he thought it brought him something and something of value to him? And then they go and go further into that. And then Mm -hmm. the second, uh, element to healing is the shift in perception. And I'll read a little bit from there. And it says, healing must occur in exact proportion to which the valuelessness of sickness is recognized. Right. One need but say, there is no gain at all to me in this, and he is healed. But to say this, one first must recognize certain facts. First, It is obvious that decisions are of the mind, not of the body. If sickness is but a faulty problem-solving approach, it is a decision. And if it is a decision, it is the mind and not the body that makes it. The resistance to recognizing this is enormous because the existence of the world as you perceive it depends on the body being the decision maker. And then I'll just read a short excerpt from the third part of how healing is accomplished, which Jesus says the function of it's, it's the function of the teacher of God. And he says to them, God's teachers come to represent another choice, which they had forgotten. The simple presence of a teacher of God is a reminder. His thoughts ask for the right to question what the patient has accepted as true. As God's messengers, his teachers are the symbols of salvation. So then he goes on to say, they ask the patient for forgiveness for God's son in his own name. They stand for the alternative. 
With God's word in their minds, they come in benediction, not to heal the sick, but to remind them of the remedy God has already given them. It is not their hands that heal. It is not their voice that speaks the word of God. They merely give what has been given to them. Very gently, they call to their brothers to turn away from death. Behold, your son of God, what life can offer you? Would you choose sickness in place of this? So I'd love to comment on any of that. Well, let's, can we kind of go back through it a little bit? Um, Not maybe through the whole thing, it was really long, but. Wonderful. um, what yes. you read the very first part okay so the first and, part and stop. okay and then, uh-huh. so the first part and how healing is accomplished is part one the perceived purpose of sickness and the first sentence states healing is accomplished the instant the sufferer no longer sees any value in pain Who would choose suffering unless he thought it brought him something and something of value to him? Right. Okay, so let's talk about any kind of trouble that one would get into, be it both physical with with your body uh, or healing of a relationship could be another way that we could be talking about this. Uh, First, you have to recognize that something's gone wrong. (laughs) And, And something's gone wrong with your thinking process otherwise you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in you wouldn't be seeing the problem that you see you wouldn't be experiencing this as a problem with your body even for example so it's it it's here's a teaching device we said earlier that this is all about a school and learning and so mm-hmm. this is one of the processes by which we learn we recognize something's gone wrong i need to see this differently mm-hmm. uh, that, that that's a, a really early lesson in the course i I want to choose to see differently. I need to see differently. I'm willing to see differently. If I'm willing to see this differently, in other words, I'm not blaming it on anybody else. I'm not saying the problem's outside of me. I'm looking to see that something inside me needs to be fixed. And what has to be fixed, by the way, it's always the same thing. Uh, It's always a matter of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So it's always a matter of letting go of something and actually, it's not letting go of, of something that you think somebody else did to you. It's recognizing it's for, that you have made a wrong choice, that you've chosen to be guilty, if you will. Uh, guilt is an awful feeling. It's a stinky, dirty feeling. And you want to get free of that. And the way to get free of it is to recognize you didn't know better, that you made a wrong choice, that you made the choice out of selfishness. And what you have to do is to do, to forgive yourself, but you can't really forgive yourself in the sense that you can, but you need help. And the help is you need to say to Jesus or the Holy Spirit or whatever you want to call it, uh, I need help. I need, I need to see this differently. Help me to see this differently. Help me to let this go. And what you come down to is a recognition that the, you're very simply a child of God. Everyone is a child of God. That's all that they are. And that you need to be loving yourself instead of hurting yourself. You, you, you chose to do something selfish, uh, something egotistical, something that was hurtful to other people that did not serve you. The, the, the doctrine of 
cause and effect. What goes around comes around. That is a really, really true. And that, that works. It's, the Course calls it the most basic law there is in the universe. Mm-hmm. The most basic law there is in the universe is uh, the law of cause and effect, to mm-hmm. put it simply. So what am I putting out there? That's what's coming back my way. If I'm putting hateful thoughts out there, guess what's coming back my way? If I'm putting angry thoughts out there, guess what's coming? If I'm talking war, guess what's coming my way? Uh, so it's a matter of feeding by giving, you know, that everything you give, it, it boomerangs, it, 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 it's, it's coming back. So this is a this is a part of the mind training. The mind training is to realize, as the Course says, the mind is very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. So watch out for what you're thinking, because it's it's definitely coming back. And you and something else that's another line that I like a lot that's important is you can't hurt somebody else without hurting yourself. Yeah. That's a very important. You can't hurt somebody else because it's gonna come back. And 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 it's gonna come back, first of all, as guilt. You know, I did this thing, I I said that thing, I hurt that person uh, physically, mentally, whatever I did. So uh, really, uh, one of the points, of course, that's most crucial is that it's trying to help us to not be responsible. In fact, there's this wonderful, wonderful section in chapter uh, 21, section two, which I use a lot to teach with because it's so good. It says, I'm responsible for what I see I choose the feelings I experience. And by the way, there's only two feelings you can choose. You're either choosing love or you're choosing fear. That's it, one of the two. Mm. So how deeply in love can I go or am I or I'm, I'm responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience. I decide upon the goals I would achieve. Well, there's also, there's only two goals. I'm either working on my own personal egotistical goals or I'm doing something for God. I'm doing something for the greater whole. I'm, I'm looking to bring my mind back in alignment with the mind, capital M, right? So I'm responsible. I see, I choose the feelings I experience, I decide on the goal, see. And then the last line, which gets emphasized in the course in more than one place. Uh, and everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. I asked for this? Well, yeah. I mean, you got it, didn't I mean, here it is. I mean, you got this divorce. You got this bankruptcy. Uh, don't go blame it on somebody else. I mean, this is, you, 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 you know, it's like you go to school. And you say, oh, look here. Here's a look, look. This fall, I think I'll take this. I'm going to take divorce and bankruptcy this fall. <laughs> How about yeah. I do both of these together? <laughs> you know, what can I learn, spiritually speaking, what can I learn from this? So the COVID that I just went through recently, right? So I had COVID. And I, I it was very interesting. I thought, wow, I've, I got I'm I'm I asked for COVID because I have I have it, right? right. And and it was wonderful. And, <laughs> and <laughs> love that. Well, it was. I mean, what what made it wonderful? Uh I was locked in a room for 24 days. Uh, no one could come in except somebody who was properly covered over with, you know, um, I didn't have my computer with me. I didn't have paper and pencil. I did have my cell phone. Thank God for that. Uh, that was a, a nice tool to have with me, but that's all I had. 
So it gave me a real good opportunity to go deep. I mean, to go inside because it was, I didn't watch television. I did some, but you know, not, not on the whole. I mean, I didn't find anything there, which I thought was it. And somebody, when one of my classes pointed out that that's a lot about entertainment and it really is about entertainment. <laughs> and, and we don't need to be entertained so much as we need to be entertainment sets up on the outside. We need to go in more. Yeah. So it was like, Going into the wilderness is like stepping into a cave. And the world kind of went away. And we don't regularly have the world is too much with us. You know, the words worth poem, you know, coming yeah. and going later, sooner or later. Uh, and it is too much with us. Again, that's why Jesus goes into the desert and Muhammad into a cave, et cetera. So that, that it was a, a wilderness experience. And I got a lot of that wilderness experience. <laughs> mm. We have to look at everything that happens that way. But what's important is that <clears throat> that's teaching you how to be a more mature human being. And if you can learn to become a more hum mature human being, uh, let's say you go through a money disaster thing. And, well, I've got to be more responsible the way I, I handle money in the future, right? Mm hmm uh, if, you, if you've ever been in debt long enough and you'll get out of debt, you're like, well, I'm, I'm going to stay out of debt. Right, right. <laughs> That's not a fun place. No, for right. sure. Yeah, for sure. So back to the healing. So yeah. you, did you have, because the second part is a shift in perception. Did you at some point get a shift in perception and say, there's no gain for me anymore in this? Like, get me out of here? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I kind of mentioned when I got it, woke up in that fetal position and, and I yeah. realized that I was either, I had a choice, I could die or mm -hmm. I could start getting well. Mm -hmm. And I decided I'm going to start getting well. I'm going to start, uh, well, one of the first things was I'm going to start exercising, uh, even though I had no way to do that. I mean, exercising consisted in walking to the door and back. <laughs> I mean, really, with a walker, <laughs> going to the bathroom. I mean, just doing the very, very simplest things that, that I could do. That's mm -hmm. why I said it was fun to run yesterday because there's a long ways between 12 weeks ago, I couldn't even walk to the post box and being able to run. <laughs> wow. yeah. That's, that's, I'm just loving that you're running now and chasing your grandkids. That's <laughs> yeah, right. so great. Well, I'd love to just throw in my, one of my favorite teachings and have you sure. comment on it. And it's one sure. that I think people that are familiar with The Course in Miracles, <clears throat> it's a pretty popular one and for good mm -hmm. reason. But mm -hmm. I'd love for you to perhaps uh, extrapolate on it and um, its, its potency. I heard this in a speech when I was graduating from USM in um, spiritual psychology. And uh, I had heard this before, but for some reason, and maybe because it was like one of those moments in life where you're sitting there in your cap and gown and it's this sense of great completion and, and, um, and uh, you know, tying in loose ends and, and next, next step in life and all that. And it just, when you hear this, it, it, it just, uh, it lands on you perhaps in a different way than if you're just reading it, uh, to read okay. it. So it really stuck with me as my point. And, mm -hmm. and, and the teaching is from lesson 75 and it's the light has come. 
And it says, the light has come. You are healed and you can heal. The light has come. You are saved and you can save. You're at peace and you bring peace with you wherever you go. Darkness and turmoil and death have disappeared. The light has come. Today we celebrate the happy ending to your long dream of disaster. There are no dark dreams now. The light has come. Today, the time of light begins for you and everyone. Mm -hmm. It is a new era in which a new world is born. The old one has left no trace upon it in its passing. Today, we see a different world because mm -hmm. the light has come. And right. I just find this so potent for me personally because sometimes I'll say, well, and we can all do this. It's like, well, I'll, uh, you know, I'll have a baby when I have more money or I'll go get, I'll go um, write a book when I have another degree or, you know, it's like the light's already here. You're whole already. You don't have to wait anymore in this dream right. of delusion to get more, have more, be more. You just celebrate now. And, right. um, and I don't even know if that my interpretation is correct, but that's I guess one interpretation. I'd love for you to talk about. I think your 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 interpretation is is actually right on. Okay, uh, and it is about now because the light has come. It means it's already here. It's already present. It's already now. So the task I have to see it. I mean, all I got to do is open my eyes, so to speak. I'm not talking about physical eyes. I'm right. talking about the the light of the mind, which sees. You know, one of the things I like to say a, a lot is, you know, we really do love each other, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and we really do love each other all the time, mm. you know, and, and, and sometimes you don't have to dig very deep uh, to kind of get into that the love that, that's there mm -hmm. with, with anyone on mm -hmm. earth. It doesn't make any difference who, who they are. Uh, everybody wants to be kind of a, recognize for the light that they're giving out and so mm -hmm. you, you you see that light and you you identify it and and you affirm it's in them and they go well yeah uh thank you uh, it's the connection right that matters and and the way the connection occurs the, the course it, the first step of, of the holy spirit the purpose of the holy spirit there's only one main purpose the holy spirit has and that is communication. So the Holy Spirit is to here to tell us the truth. But of course, we've got to be willing and receptive to it. But if, if that's the light has come, the light has come when your mind is willing to receive what, what is already here, what is already being given you. And it's always being given you. It's, it's a matter of our becoming receptivity to that. And sometimes that happens to people with, with kind of have mystical experiences. But it can be much more subtle than that. It can just be a kind of deep inner knowing, kind of awareness mm. that all I have to be, all I have to do is to be who I am. I am Christ. Right. That's, you know, and, and that like may sound like a heresy uh, to some, uh, but everyone is the Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you 100%. Well, it kind of brings me to this other teaching in the course where it says, seek not outside yourself. 
Right. And um, because like you said, talking about heaven, it's like heaven is not a place. It's nothing outside of you. It's not, there's no buildings, there's no temples, there's no doors. It's, it doesn't, that's, that's, there's no form. And, and so stop seeking outside yourself. Yet we, do that where we spend oh, sure. so much time seeking outside of ourselves until we realize nothing outside will ever help us in finding mm-hmm. what are all those soul attributes that we're just waiting to experience the real joy, right. fulfillment, love, sharing, caring that's has nothing to do with being outside yourself. Well, to that, I thought I'd read one quote that I think relates to that. And, and again, have you comment on it. And it says, all idols of this world were made to keep the truth within from being known to you and to maintain allegiance to the dream that you must find what is outside yourself to be complete and happy. It is vain to worship idols in the hope of peace. God dwells within and your completion lies in him. No idol takes his place. Look not to idols. Do not seek outside yourself. Right. That's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, it is very clear. An idol is simply anything that is uh, that's external that you've got a fascination with. You've got to have it. It's got to be in your life. Or material possessions are not just material possessions. It could be a relationship or something. It could be mm-hmm. some, a status position that you would like to attain to. You know, that sort of thing could be an idol. A fellow in one of my classes told this interesting story about um, he always wanted to own a particular kind of sports car, and but he couldn't afford it. And uh, so he started saving money and he had to build his credit rating up and he'd do all this work to get it. You know, it was like a really expensive sports car. And he finally goes out. He has enough. His credit is up. He's got the money to put the down on it. And he's driving home. I got it. I got it. I got it. I've got $700 a month in bills for the next six years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I got my sports car. (laughs) I have to save some money for a therapist now. (laughs) Hope his insurance covers it. (laughs) Hope he never just deductible. (laughs) It's that kind of insanity that all it's, it's 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 a simple form of saying, Actually, a lot of the original people, Bill was a minimalist. Ken was a minimalist. Uh, Ken, just one of Ken's favorite teachings would just be normal. Mm-hmm. You know, by normal, I mean, you know, he, he lived in a regular house, drove a Chevrolet, and, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, didn't go into debt. Yeah. Just a one example of that, right? Yeah. Trying to be fancy, wore well, regular clothes. <laughs> Right. I mean, there's so much focus, of course, on this planet with money as as a means for, you know, freedom or exchange or sure. whatever value you want to bring to it. And um, yet it it can uh, it can it can be one of the greatest inconveniences and blocks to. Oh, sure. Freedom. And, and um, you know, one of my teachers, he's actually a, he's a, one of my chiropractors and he's this incredible, incredible man, healer. And um, he said, you know, a lot of 
really, you know, like billionaire clients come to him and, and celebrity clients. And, uh, and of course, not to give these people a bad rap. I mean, they're not all like this. No. But he says there's a commonality with, um, to, to no surprise, when everything's handed to you, when you have that much uh, freedom right. moving around in the world, he said, none of those people will ever be awake because wow. the moment that they um, get uncomfortable, they go get on their jet and they go to an island. They just don't. And this is, I mean, I, I get his point. I don't agree that everybody would be like that. No, he, of course not. His point is with, with when there's that level of comfort, got you've got to have a wanting to mm -hmm. really, no matter how much is given to you, to still seek what is true and real beyond the illusion of comfort. Right. Yeah. Every once in a while, somebody will get there. And Jim Carrey is a good example, by the way, of somebody right. who yes. kind, of, kind of like got it all, but yeah. also recognizes that, you know, so you got it all now. Now let's go and get a real search going on. Let's yeah. go into the deeper dimensions of what this mind is all about and mm -hmm. why we're in this school and how, how do we work our way through it. I think we should have enough, so to speak, for all of us that we can take care of all the basic needs and of our family and, and help other people along the way. But there's no reason to go crazy with this. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, what what is it? The, the course talks about uh, using our metal discs and paper. It's interesting. It was written before credit cards were popular. <laughs> <laughs> so it talks about metal, paper slips and metal discs. Uh, I've got a, somebody else is doing some channeling of Jesus now that talks about, uses computer language. <laughs> Helen couldn't have possibly use computer language. See what I'm saying? Wow. Like coding, yeah. like some sort of well, like programming and stuff like that, and just yeah. sort of simple computer language that okay. most anybody would be able to understand. There's a point at which it, the less the better, and that's that's kind of Bill's philosophy and uh, Ken's philosophy and the philosophy of Henry David Thoreau and <laughs> a lot of other important spiritual people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right recognition that you don't that's just a distraction that's a distraction those are things which keep me from going within right that's 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 just it it's a distraction yeah and that's what that uh, chiropractor was getting to he said you know it, with all that level of comfort if you're not conscious if you're not aware it can be a very easy distraction so he was basically making a point saying why would you want that you know, you're, you're just where you, you need to be. It's um, like anything we attach to us, like alcohol or a drug or anything that we get. That's just another way of being pulled yeah. away from ourselves and looking for meaning within the context of the world. Mm, right. right. Well, you've been doing this work a really long time and it kind of just begs the question out of my own curiosity I'm sure you've had many mystical experiences of the Christ, I would imagine, coming through. Do you want to share anything that has kind of stuck with your heart? Have you had any mystical experiences? Oh, sure. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and even beginning when I was a, a young child, and that's what brought me into this whole thing. And first, of all, I grew up on a farm in Missouri okay. during the 40s and the 50s, and we were very isolated by today's standards. So there was a lot of connection with, with 
with nature and, and animals and, and and that all provided a kind of knowing or kind of wonderment about what was life itself and what was going on, knowing that there must be something more. They're very, very fortunate if you grow up under those kind of circumstances. But there have been plenty of things. I went through a profound death experience in 1976, which I won't go into now, but just to say that that this did happen, uh, which I was convinced that I had died. I didn't know you could come back. I was very surprised when I did. Mm. Uh, But it was also a, a complete disintegration of the ego. By a complete, I mean, I died in the sense that, you know, John Mundy died. The, you flatlined? No, no. It, it was all, it, it happened in the mind. It didn't happen in the body. Okay. I mean, you know, the the, the, uh, the ego identity was crushed and crumbled and spit out and you know, put away. And um, something else was left there in, in front of me that was just visually phenomenal. But again, I'm that take us a field a bit to, to go into that. Hmm. And then just other very simple things, you know, there's love itself, love really being in love. You know, that that's probably one of the first mystical experiences a lot of people have <clears throat> of of being so willing to give to this other, this you just want to give give gift to the beloved. And and um you know of course that has a lot of these have ways of kind of crumbling once the world comes back into view. I mean of course we love, but then there's maintaining that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes relationships can make what the course calls special. <laughs> and then, then, so then we learn have to have to learn how to continue to do that without that uh, initial brilliance uh, that was there when we fell into it. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And then then now you know after the wedding, the honey. I mean after the honeymoon, the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there any teaching that's on your heart that you'd love to just leave our listeners? Well, I think everybody should know that um, waking up is very, very possible. That, and you don't have to think about being fully awake in the sense of you're the Christ. I mean, that's goal. That's that's where we're, we're going to. But, and some may well. If anybody asks me if, if I'm enlightened or awake, I will say no, (laughs) you know, but, but the foot is on the path. Mm -hmm. I know, I know for sure the foot is on the path and that we are all headed home and seeing how we are all headed home, then let's, let's go home and let's go home happily and let's go home together. And we do that by literally by loving each other. Um, by not judging each other, by finding whatever it is that's beautiful in life. Even, I wrote an article, not an article, uh, I do a little thing on Sunday mornings, well, Sunday with Monday, a podcast kind of thing that I put out. And um, it was called Loving Your Story. And what I meant by that, loving whatever, you know, like, like I love, love the, I love my COVID. <laughs> well, real, I mean, it was, you know, why hate it? I mean, you know, why bemoan it and groan about it? What did I learn in this? And, and whatever experiences that we come through in life, you learn something in that. So I got to learn your lesson. You learn your lesson in that course. I hope you do. I, you learn your lesson in that bankruptcy. At least I hope you do. 
you know, hopefully you'll come out of that and be a better money manager. Hopefully you'll come out of that and be a, a better loving person to the next person you fall in love with and marry, et cetera, et cetera. So that it's taking us deeper and deeper and deeper and all the way to, to the Christ consciousness where all that we know is love, period. And, and to you, or from the miracles standpoint, perspective, what is Christ consciousness? Well, again, it's to see what Jesus saw. I keep using that phrase. Right. Uh, it's the recognition that there's no separation, that there's no division between you and me or anyone. And I look out in the world, there's no division between myself and the beggar on the street or the color of skin makes no difference at all. If I think that it does, then I cannot see very far. I'm blind to stop at the surface of his skin. Uh, it's, it's seeing the heart and, and there is a heart <laughs> in every, every, every soul. And that heart wants to be recognized. And I think that's what Jesus did. And so he comes to this awakening himself. He comes out back into the world. I mean, after the wilderness experience, and he starts to, some people see it. Some people get it right away. Oh my God, this guy's full of love, you know, and they become the disciples. They're the one that hang on his word. And, and then there's those who, uh-uh, you, no, you're, we're going to kill you <laughs> for being, that's arrogant what you're doing, you know, you're going to a cross because of this, which he was able to do willingly mm -hmm. because he knew that he wasn't a body. He knew that wasn't who he was. Hmm. Wow. So much to just digest in this. John, thank you so much for your oh, sure. time and your, your rich, rich, rich knowledge of the course. I'm so grateful. And this, this is one episode that I'm surely going to go back and listen to again and again to see it in my consciousness. So thank you so much. And um, thank you. Happy to help. you've inspired me to start from the beginning and read yeah. the course properly <laughs> from beginning to end. Well, I have an ongoing class if you want to step in sometime. Yeah, you want to you want to mention that, and uh, and I'll add anything else in the show notes. Well, first of all, I publish a magazine. I should have a copy here. I don't, but uh, uh, it's called uh, Miracles. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I've been in publication since nineteen eighty five, so thirty six years. Incredible. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're growing, and not rapidly, but we're not going down. We're going up, uh, and um, we just turned to color about two years ago. So it's been a really slow process, but that's the best kind of process because then you kind of hold what you got and you add to it a little bit. So there's a magazine. Uh, I teach a class. Uh, what you need to do is go to the magazine website, which is called miraclesmagazine.org. And whatever I'm classing, class I'm teaching at that time, you can read about. And I usually teach on Tuesday nights and Thursday afternoons. But I'll do six weeks and then take a week or two break and do six weeks and take a week or two break. And, I'm, gonna start, I'm starting this week with uh, a new one on the second. But people can visit anytime. They just come pop in. And if they like what they want to see and they want to sign up to take more classes, they can. Wonderful. So. I'll add all that to the show notes so we can all check that out. And thank you again so much. And God bless. Yeah, you too, Diane. Yeah, have a great day today. Whatever you're doing. 
Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.